Hey, I'm Kim Short, and it's time to get your podcast on. Welcome to What Led Her Here, exploring the defining experiences of women's lives. My guest today is the magnetic and authentic Karen Flynn. Karen is an author, executive coach, mom, and passionate advocate for embracing one's true self and living a fulfilling, meaningful, and joyful life. In her book, Go Beyond Resilience, Coach K, as she's affectionately known, questions how we make decisions and play it safe in order to keep those around us happy. I'm thrilled to have her here today to share her journey and wisdom. Welcome, Karen. Thank you, Kim. It's wonderful to be here. You have spent many years exploring the roles we have as women in our families, our jobs, our communities. And a common theme is that we tend to neglect our own needs and passions in exchange for serving others. I can relate to this. <laughs> I think many of our listeners will be able to as well. So I would love to hear more about your observations around that and how you found we can live our fullest lives while still doing the things we have to do as moms, wives, employees, Losses, etc. Indeed. Honestly, I used to think it was a cultural thing. But then as I got older, through my 20s and 30s, I realized it's just a universal thing for females to feel like we have to be in service to others and put ourselves second or maybe even third and fourth. And it was interesting for me to observe that. And now, as I've gotten older, I've seen, I suppose it starts from very young when the relationships we have with our own parents in the homes, when they treat boys and girls very differently. It's almost like it's hardwired into us. And that's something I've been working to change for over 20 years now. When I speak to people, I did it in my workplace. I did it in my own companies. I did it with my daughter and with clients. I say, you know, we can be of service to people, but if our cups are not full, if we're not feeling at our best, if we are not feeling well and happy and fulfilled and full of joy, how can we give our best to others? That's the basis from which I come at anything professionally, personally, we have to feel great in order to make a great impact. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It can be hard though, can it sometimes when we yes. have all the things that we have to do. So yes. how do you find we can make time for the things that really light our fires? One of the first things I had to learn, and I encourage other women in this world to learn, is to say no. It's very difficult. It took me a long time. But when people are asking for something from you, even your children, you have to learn to say no. At strategic times, at very poignant times as well, it's a necessary lesson for you to just step back and go, I'll help you, but give me a few hours and I'll get back to you. Or, you know, I really can't do that right now. My plate is full. That saying no is something it's just so hard to do. And it takes a lifetime of unlearning in order to do that. And I get that because we are the caregivers and in our workplaces, we sometimes take on that role of looking out for everyone else. But again, it goes back to, we all have things on our plates that we are responsible for. And the thing is, we're not always responsible for other people's performance or what they do. We are responsible for the things that we have taken on board. And we have to make time in that 
jigsaw puzzle of everything that we juggle for our own selves. So saying no is one of the first lessons. It's not only a great lesson for us to learn for ourselves, but it's a great lesson for our kids. Yeah. Right? Especially for our daughters. I know we are both girl mamas and it's important for them to learn that lesson. And I know one of the things that you want to do in your life is to bring these kinds of lessons to people earlier, right? Especially to women. Because we learn these lessons maybe a little bit in our 30s, but surely in our 40s, right? Yes. And wouldn't it be great if we can impart some of this wisdom and allow women coming up to struggle a little less and to learn these things a bit earlier? Indeed. I still see so many young women. I work with university students and and the ones who are in their first serious jobs, mid-30s, trying to figure out whether they love their work. And they're just placing themselves under so much stress with that inability to set boundaries, to say no to people, to take care of themselves as they're trying to be perfect in every way. And it's something I think you simply do not have to put yourself under this pressure. You put yourself as the nucleus of everything wonderful that you want to do and think, okay, let me protect this core. And from there, whatever is happening around me, I am protecting myself and my well-being and my state of mind in order to give my best. And that's happening way too late. I think women in their late 30s are probably coming around to, okay, I've done my best. Everything is kind of perfect. I'm okay with it. But the previous 10 years, they've put themselves under intense pressure. And I just don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that as a mom. And I, I've talked about this in other episodes of this podcast, that when we're in that intense parenting phase, when our kids yeah. are little, we have this narrow tunnel vision of like, I must mother. And it's like everything else sort of falls by the wayside. Obviously, mothering is a huge job and it's a very important mm-hmm. one. And I think it's something though where other things can fit in. And like you said earlier, if we don't take time to reflect on what actually brings us joy and fill up our own cups, then we won't have what we need to give our best to not only our kids, but everybody else in our lives. Yeah. And I found that firsthand. I mean, I was building a company and I had my little girl and on some days, you know, I'd be dealing with new business proposals and all this stuff. And I could feel it when I walked in the door. I could feel it. And I'm going, wait a second, how are you going to be fabulous for this toddler that's looking at you like, oh my God, mom, you're home. And I had to actually create a visualization with the help of a therapist who was fabulous. I created a visualization for me to exit the office, get into my car, go home, and I go through this tunnel where I shed everything so that when I walked into that door and looked at my little girl, I was there 100%. You know what? It took some time, but it worked. It really worked for me. And I hope that maybe it could work for others who have that difficulty in transitioning from their professional life to what they're like at home, to be there and to just kind of rejuvenate and be themselves and be there for their loved ones, their families. And I know that's harder now because so many of us are working from home. So it's kind of hard to do that transition, but take a few minutes and go into the next room and just kind of shed things and just take a deep exhale 
and go, right, work is over. Now I'm here. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That separation is really difficult for many people these days, isn't it? Yeah, it's very hard. So I know you used to be in a corporate role and you talked about living a double life. So can you tell us a bit about once you stepped away from your corporate career and moved into what you're doing now, what you have been doing for many years now, I know you feel more like yourself. So can yes. you tell us a bit about how that transition was and what sort of led you to that moment where you decided something's got to change? First of all, I was super fortunate that I fell into a career that I loved. I worked in communications with multinational businesses and I just loved it. It was my calling because I love communication. I love the written word. I love how people can really master communication to make a difference. And I did that for over 20 years. But at the end of it, I could feel myself quite drained. And I, at this point, I'd had my own agency and I was everything to everyone. I was mentoring my team. I was growing my team. I was providing consultancy to clients. And I just felt like I was giving, giving, giving. And there was just a skeleton left. Something has to shift. And I knew that I'd had so much learning and I had a lot of gifts to give knowledge-wise, experience-wise. So I thought, you know what? I'm mid-40s. I have to come up with a plan I have to take some time out because for me, taking a long vacation, I always had a laptop with me. I always had my phone with me. It's just, I could never quite switch off. And so I thought, you know what, I'll sell my business and give my talents to charities, to non-for-profits and see what happens. And it was a big risk, but that's me. I've always kind of made big shifts with my life because I always thought, what if I could try something new and then set this up so that 50 and above, I could set off on a whole new path, but still being mentally challenged and really connected to business, but through the non-for-profit sector. And that's what I did. I sold the company. I transitioned out for a couple of years and I just connected with a bunch of foundations and started using my expertise, my business knowledge to help them. And it was fabulous. It was just as fulfilling, even more so because I was ready and I felt like I was helping charities at a pivotal point where they needed communications expertise to really stand out and get more funding. And it was a, just a tremendous first few years for me. And I met wonderful people who they helped me to integrate into that space. And that's important. Meeting the right people, oh, it makes such a difference. That's something I pay forward all the time. My entire career, I paid forward. Make an introduction, facilitate things, just help people to constantly move forward. If you can make an introduction to help somebody to get in front of the right person, do it. It doesn't cost you anything, right? Yeah, I can tell just how you're talking about what you're doing, that it really fills your soul up, that it really yeah. lights that <laughs> fire like we were talking about earlier. And I love that. And I, I love when I'm talking to someone like you and you hear that spark and that yeah. joy <laughs> and that yeah. they love what they're doing. And I also love that you took this chance to make a big life change in your mid-40s. Mm. I know so many women who have done just the same. These women who have come alive, taken oh, yeah. a big risk and really yeah. gone into a second or a third or whatever career. And it's so inspiring for me because I've found the 
confidence to do the same kind of a thing. And I just love that there's this amazing community of women who are like, nope, not done yet. I'm just getting started, right? Yeah, they feel like they still have to prove something to themselves, to the people around them. A big part of it is money. Oh, I don't have enough to retire. So who's talking about retirement? You know, it's such a lifeless word, retirement. It's about shifting your energy and doing something with the next chapter, doing something differently. I think we go through 20s and 30s where we're give, 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 and we're like stretching and we're learning and we're, we're committing to things above what we're comfortable with and we're proving ourselves. But when it comes to your 40s, it's like if you're going to have the hands stretched out, just make sure somebody's stretching out back at you to fill it up and find that next thing that you can do to, yes, give your gifts. Yes, be connected and be passionate and give your experience experience and knowledge, but it also fills you. It's rewarding you in a way that your first two jobs definitely doesn't because you're just giving there. And that's what I found with the charity sector and the people that I met. Being able to make a difference for them was just so rewarding. And I could see that I was making an impact and it wasn't about retirement. It was just about having a far better balance in your life. That made a big shift in me. I wanted to live the rest of my life that way. My experience was in my 20s, it was get the career that's going to pay, right? That Mm -hmm. was the mindset that I grew up with. That's what I was told. Like, don't do theater, which is what I wanted to do. (laughs) You you need to get a business degree. That's what I did. So I think many of us start out by thinking, what's going to make me money? And of course, what you're interested in, but that definition of success sort of changes. And then as we get older, like you were saying, we think, what is the impact that I can make? Yeah, I'm so glad you touched on it, that that definition of success, it changes so drastically from our 20s, our 30s, our 40s. And I hope for many others, it shifts earlier because your measure for success should be more about how you feel and what's going on with you rather than how much do I have and what have I acquired? You know, what have I achieved for others? I think that definition of success really needs to be addressed sooner in our lives. Agree. My twins are starting to think about university and it's a bit of a stressful time for them because they're thinking, you know, I don't know what I want to do and they're getting all anxious about it. And I said, first of all, this should be an exciting time for you. You know, there's so much great stuff ahead, but start out by thinking, what am I naturally good at? What brings me joy? And what can I do with that? And not only that, but what don't I want to do? Because I think it's important to know what you don't want to do. Beyond that, it's not like you're signing a contract to say you're going to do one thing for the rest of your life. You know, we don't do one thing from the minute we graduate university until, like you said, the dreaded retirement. (laughs) We have the opportunity to change and to do lots of different things and change it up in our 40s and our 50s. Definitely. And one of the things that I recognize, men and women, but women certainly, they pigeonhole themselves very early on. And when I coach women or I mentor women, particularly entrepreneurs, 
I ask them, whether you're 38 or 48 or 52, you have such a magnificent set of skills and so many of them are transferable. So why do we insist on doing things that just keep us fixed in one place thinking, no, no, this is where I need to play. And we just box ourselves in. And when I get people to talk about, when I get women to talk about what you're good at, what makes you feel joy, there are so many skills there that women have, but they either don't admit it to themselves or recognize it. They rank it according to, you know, how much they think this skill is going to make them money and the others are not. I go, no, just look at all of your skill set and see how much of it is transferable. Why you can afford to pivot and shift and do something that is more meaningful to you and how you measure the success, bringing in all of that and acknowledging that you're way more than just a good accountant or you're way more than just a good whatever it is you do now. But it's a mindset and it allows you to pivot and just embrace more of you if you're willing to look at it bravely and take that risk, take that chance. So I know the birth of your daughter was a pivotal moment for you. Parenthood can be quite a ride (laughs) (laughs) and it can make us reflect and change. And I know that for you, the birth of your daughter brought around a lot of self-reflection as far as what kind of role model you wanted to be for her. So can you tell me a bit more about that? Absolutely. I had the unfortunate uh, a few years of miscarriages. And as I was going through all of this before my daughter finally arrived, I kept thinking, you know, am I being punished? Is this my fault? What's going on? I sort of pulled my bootstraps up and went, okay, stop that nonsense. What kind of mother do you want to be? What kind of parent do you want to be? And I had these very serious conversations with myself. That was a huge turning point for me as Maya was arriving. It was a huge turning point for me to look at not just myself, not just my marriage. I went beyond to think, okay, what sort of role model am I going to be for my daughter? And what sort of legacy do I want to leave her? I know it sounds big and bold and ambitious, and it will scare some people thinking legacy. That's a big term. And why would I want to put that pressure on my child? But you know what? Legacy isn't huge. It's just something that we can share our values and so on through the way we raise our children. And to me, it connected me and my daughter in such a way that the way I live my life, I could be a fantastic role model for her. Because the last thing I want is another young woman in this world who questions everything she does with trepidation unable to see her full potential in too much service to others and not to herself. And I just wanted to break that cycle with my own child. So I I did it differently. From a little girl, when she was a toddler, I would speak to her and never incorporated baby talk into my parenting. I just spoke to her nicely in the words that she could understand. And we would discuss things. When she started speaking as a toddler, we would just talk about things. It was so funny. People would look at us at the bus or at the zoo or thinking, who is she talking to? But that's the way my daughter grew up. And it wasn't about helicopter parenting or all these terms you hear. It was just 
exploring her perspectives. And when she would ask something or say something, I would ask another question and just get her to explore what it is she was feeling. And I still do that today. I don't give her advice, but I explore what it is she's feeling and why she has made that decision. And has she considered the other things that surround that and action and consequence. And that's been my parenting style. And as a result, she is the tremendous role model for her friends at 22. I love everything you just said. And when you say the word legacy, it is a huge word, but that's been on my mind so much lately too, because it Mm -hmm. is important that we think about how we want to make the world a better place, how we want to leave our imprint. And a big part of that is how we raise our kids. And it's such a privilege and honor. It's hard. It's so rewarding. And oh, I'm going to get emotional just thinking about it. But (laughs) I, I really do feel the beautiful weight of that, especially being a mom to daughters. Yeah. And I love the advice that you give about keeping that communication open. And I love what you said about asking questions and letting Maya think mm-hmm. about that because really we want to raise independent thinkers. I've definitely seen a shift in my own parenting as my girls have gotten older, mm-hmm. where I parented differently when they were younger. It's more telling them what to do, right? But now it is more allowing them to really, like you said, explore. Yeah and think for themselves because when they go off in their own lives, of course, we're still here to guide them, but they need to make those independent decisions and know what their morals and values are so that they can let that guide them when we're not there to be doing it as closely. Yeah, we will always as moms be there to guide them and be their sounding board. But if you've raised your daughters to have a good moral compass and to listen to what her gut's telling her, what's her instinct telling her? And let her be in tune with that early on. I think it's just a gift, an incredible gift that we give our children. I'm so glad you brought that up, that word instinct, right? That intuition. I've always taught my girls to listen to that inner voice. And I know that in your life, you consciously listen to that, right? And trust yes, that. for sure. It's there for a reason. I started listening to my instinct early on and allowed it to take over when I thought, the ego was stepping in. And I believe there is a place for ego. There is a place for vanity, all of it. But essentially, when you sit on your own and think of the things you need to make decisions on, when you sit down in a quiet space and feel your way through some decisions, it is far more rewarding than just jumping in with your head. And I've done that in my life and it has served me very well. And I would love other people to really sit with things before they jump in and make decisions. And again, it goes back to saying no to people and go, you know what? I will get back to you with that. It's totally okay to do that. I think sometimes when we do jump in, it's out of fear of maybe looking stupid. That's where the ego pops up, right? Yes. And I do agree with you that it's totally okay just to say, I'm not sure right now. Let me have a think on that. We need to give ourselves that space. Yeah. Give yourself permission to just step back for sure. So I would love to hear about, I know you have a really great group of girlfriends, these wise women. I would love to hear about the role that they play in your life because I know how very special that can be. They are my lifeline, my village, just everything. I'm from a very small 
small family. In fact, my sister passed away quite young in her 40s. And my girlfriends, whom I met in Asia when I moved in my 20s and connected with, these women have been in my life for the past 30 years. And we have gone through everything together. We connect, and now with COVID, we connect online constantly, even if it's one line, one message, it just lifts us up. We've sat around having great dinners. We've seen the birth of our kids. We coach and mentor each other through anything. One of them, actually, I feel like it's my twin sister, but from different parents, because we are just like, you did that? Oh my God. Yes, that's exactly what I would have done. And others, we're so different, but yet so connected on a level that it's hard to explain to anyone. And I wish that for anyone to have such friendships. But we've put a lot of work into our friendships. There have been times where we didn't agree on something or something was kind of tickling with our conscience or there have been contentious discussions, but we connect on a level where our values are similar. And we're five women that just connect and lift each other up and we're there for each other. And I love them to pieces. I could not go through this life without them. Oh, I love that. And it's such a privilege to have women like that by your side. And I love what you said about that you have connected based on core values. And even if you've had difficult conversations or disagreements or, or things like that, it speaks to the strength of those friendships that that stuff happens and you get through it. Yes. It's just part of the journey. Absolutely. And there have been times, I mean, 30 year friendships, it's a long time. There have been times over our lives where someone's having a really difficult time and she's disappeared and you know that she just needs time alone and you grant that, you respect that, but you check in. It's like, how are you? Are you okay? It's just so necessary. Give each other the space and time, but know that I'm here. Whenever you're ready, we're all here. And that's very important in a relationship. You know, there are friendships where you outgrow and and it becomes lopsided, but then you know when that's happening. And then there are other times where you just need to grant each other the permission to walk away for a little while and just kind of have that time to reset. And we've all come back to the table and gone, well, that was too long. What was going on there for you? (laughs) But then it's good again. Those relationships are such an important part of life, bring so much joy, bring just so much richness. And we need them. We need that connection with other women who can relate to us. And yeah, the last time we were in Asia, a couple of years ago, we came away from the trip. My daughter said to me, I envy what you have. I hope I have that with my girlfriends. And it's wonderful to hear that because it truly is such a good connection and we sit around and laugh and you know have a couple glasses of wine or sit over a warm meal and it's just like yeah it's unbelievable and Maya in her lifetime she's looking for deep connections with friends and again that's a lesson from mom that's being a good role model this is what friendships can do for each other absolutely and you took the words right out of my mouth I was just going to say good for you mama for being a good role model (laughs) so tell me what is next for you what excites you about the future? My future seems so busy. I always have so many creative ideas blasting through my head. I will probably write a second book, although I'm kind of mulling over what the topic is going to be. I may talk about dating in your 50s. 
I love that. <laughs> and just continuing my journey as a coach to support people who are seriously stuck on the hamster wheel. And I want to do everything I can to get people off and break the cycles and find happiness and joy much, much sooner. That's going to fulfill me to no end. And I want to continue to reach more people and help them. I love that you have this vision of helping people. I'm so excited to see what comes next, <laughs> especially this new book. That's interesting. <laughs> so are you ready for the final five? Yes, I looked at them. These are the same five questions I ask of every guest. And the first one is, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? I would like to somehow eradicate racism. I don't know how I would do that, but I'd like to. Yes, ditto. Absolutely. <laughs> when you were a kid, what did you think you'd be when you grew up? I always admired surgeons. It was very specific. It was so bizarre. But I thought surgeons fix the broken parts in people. And I want to do that. <laughs> You know what? I think in a way you do do that. If it were your last day on earth, what would your final meal be? That's seriously a hard question. I'm such a foodie. Oh my gosh. It would have to be a good Mediterranean seafood pasta. Shrimp, lobster, like what are the... Just, yeah, a linguine, linguine and shellfish and garlic and the best olive oil. Yeah. Yes. Garlic and more garlic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who is a woman in history or present day you admire? Going back as far as Cleopatra, what a force. Coco Chanel, she changed the way we're defined by clothing. Margaret Thatcher, she played in the man's world and she was fearless. And I love that. Just sheer tenacity to be there and to do what she wanted to do. And last but not least, what is your favorite quote? There is one by Nelson Mandela, and I've used it when I'm coaching, and it's, there's no joy in playing small. If you want to make an impact in your life, if you want to do things and be proud of yourself when you're sitting on your own as an old person and you want to look back at that movie of your life and be proud and excited, there is no joy in playing small. You have to go for it. And that is exactly what you're doing. So thank you so much for <laughs> being here today and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. 